Welcome to the sermon podcast of Redemption Church. The following sermon is by Pastor Gary Alloway. Alright, so question for you guys. How many of you like to spend time alone? Okay. Pretty good, uh, yeah. Um, I tend to be a pretty good omnivert, right? So, like, I love a good party. I love when things are boisterous, when there's lots of people around. But I also just love to be alone. I've spent a decent amount of time at, like, monasteries, just doing silent retreats and driven a few thousand miles by myself. And I used to be a pretty strict day-off Sabbath guy. And sometimes I found that being alone and quiet is just this, like, peaceful, blissful rest. Maybe you've had that experience. You're just kind of like... You settle in with God, it's like a warm pillow on a cool day, and everything is soft and beautiful. And sometimes it's not. (laughs) Maybe you've experienced this. Sometimes being alone is the exact opposite. Especially the longer you've been away from alone time, the less you have a regular practice of being alone in your life. Sometimes you get to alone time, and for the first time forever, your hurts your longings, your temptations, your pains, your ugliness, they all come out. All the things that you've been pushing down and hiding away, it all comes screaming out. And it can be kind of a painful process. Has anyone ever experienced that? And it can be hard to enter into that. But this is the good news of the passage that we have this morning, that if you can actually stay there, and stay in the place of silence and solitude, you can actually hear your anxieties and get to the bottom of them. And if you actually can stay in that place of silence and solitude, you can actually walk through it with God and learn that there is actually healing on the other side of it. And if you can stay in that place, you can learn to think, create, you can learn to think creatively, not just reactively, so that you can actually find kind of Jesus-shaped solutions to the challenges in your life. We know that Jesus was a regular practice of rest and retreat and solitude, right? We see this in the gospel stories of like the things are cruising along and then Jesus is just like, hey guys, I'm out. I'm going to be gone for the weekend. Don't try and find me. My cell phone's off. So like, and for all we know, like Jesus had those like serene, blissful, warm pillow retreats with God. But when we get glimpses of it, When scripture actually tells us what happened when Jesus retreats with God, we actually see the opposite. We see the painful, difficult, challenging process. I was going to bug Ian about this, but I can only think of two times we really get the the internal process of Jesus like out uh, alone with God. And one is our story for this morning and the other is Gethsemane. Both times where Jesus retreats to be alone with God. And it's hard. We find Jesus doing battle with himself. We find Jesus confronting longing and temptation and desire. We find Jesus confronting his own humanity and not just pushing it down or feeling ashamed about it, but going through it. Going through it with God. And coming out the other side and coming into the kingdom of God. So here's your calling for this morning. You need regular practices of silence, solitude, and retreat to confront your own ugliness. 
I know that's a good happy message for an August morning here. But it's true. We all have ugliness. And so we can bury it. We can let it come out sideways. Or we can go through it with God. And I think if we actually do, if we actually are willing to go through it with God, beautiful things can happen. We can actually come through it. We can find God in it. We can heal from it. And we can even grow and find Jesus in it and actually come to be more like Jesus on the other side of it. It's like a reviewing of your sins sometimes. Time to be alone and kind of review review your sins. Yeah, go through it all. Hear what's going on. Yeah, and it might not just be like places of moral rebellion, but like what's just like what's going on. And that's exactly where I want to start off. Um, We need rest and Sabbath to hear ourselves. Right? I mean, maybe you guys have this experience. A lot of times I wake up in the morning and I just have like vague feelings of anxiety and discomfort. Anybody else? Is that a a thing? Or do you guys wake up and you're like, no, I know exactly what's going on inside of me. You might wake up, right, and you you have some odd feeling, and and maybe you can give it some attention. You're like, oh, I'm anxious about finances. And if you stop there, you might not realize the deeper things going on, right? Oh, I'm anxious about finances because I think my spouse will be disappointed in me. Oh, I'm anxious about finances because of what it says about where I am in my career, and I'm anxious to go home for Thanksgiving, right? Because there's family dynamics going on. Or I'm anxious about finances because I want to buy better clothes because I feel ugly all the time. Oh, I'm anxious about finances because my second grade teacher told me I would always be a failure in this world. Oh, I'm anxious about finances because all of these things are true at once. And they're all tangled up in some incredible anxiety ball. (laughs) Some incredible anxiety tangle. You guys know what I'm talking about? Anybody else get anxiety tangles? You can call it anxiety tangles or like they're like little lightning balls of just like everything cruising around inside of you. And often we feel these things, right? We have these like intense tangles of anxiety or discomfort or pain or longing and we don't really know how to untangle them. And so we address just kind of the first thing we can get to and we never actually get to the place of healing with God. We never actually get to what's underneath it. So we might go get a raise or we might change our job and we never actually get to the place of healing, the place of going through it and finding like, what's the broken narrative? What's the wound? How can I invite God into those places and heal from them? And it's hard to do that in real time, right? It's hard to do that sort of work unless you actually set apart some time to go through it. A time to like put your phone aside, right? And just listen, listen to yourself. Like what is going on? Why is that stressing me out so much? Why is that getting to me? And the more you can get underneath it, the more you can get to what actually needs to be healed and tended to by God. And so I'm intrigued by Jesus going out to the desert, right? He's tempted by three things. First, he's hungry, and he's tempted to turn stones into bread. He's tempted to choose comfort over calling. He's tempted to jump off the temple to be spectacular, to be a showman, to draw the crowds to himself. 
And he's tempted by all the kingdoms of the world to be a ruler, to have power and authority in every earthly sense. My guess is these weren't new, right? It's not like Jesus never thought about these things. Now he goes out into the desert and feels them for the first time. I think Satan shows up in the things that were there. I don't think it would be a very effective temptation if these weren't things that were already present within Jesus's humanity, right? As someone called into this tremendous calling, these are the sort of things that he would have been, that we know he was tempted by. And we'll see them recur throughout his ministry. These are the things he probably daydreamed about or things that would have weighed him down. Things that might have even seemed right in the right context. I mean, all three things Satan tempts him by are things that, you know, in, in real time, if you're stressed, you're like, oh yeah, that seems like a good, they seem reasonable. So I think what we see in Jesus is a sense of like going out and laying these things bare. Going out and getting to the bottom of them. Going out and saying, what is that itch? Oh, that's the desire for power. What is that longing? Oh, that's the desire for comfort. And going into those things with God and coming out the other side. I think we need that space, that dedicated space to hear ourselves, to lay things out, to see what is actually there. Does that make sense? You guys know what I'm talking about? I was thinking about this week. Do you guys know the story of the Gordian knot? Anybody know this one? This is a fun story from ancient history. According to uh, the legend, there in the town of Gordium in ancient Greece, there was a tremendous knot, this incredible tangle that nobody in the world could untangle and untie. And the legend was that whoever could untie the Gordian knot would be king of all Asia, which is modern-day Turkey. Like the, you know, they that they were destined to be king. And so the story goes: Alexander the Great showed up at Gordium. Uh, and he sized up the knot, and he pulled on a few strings. And does anybody know what he did next? He sliced it in half. He sliced it in half, right? He pulled out his sword and sliced it in half, which always seemed like incredible cheating to me. Yes. <laughs> but then again, he went on to become king of all Asia. So, you know, I, I guess if you're Alexander the Great, you're allowed to cut the Gordian knot in half. I wish most of us were Alexanders, Right? Like, I wish that's the way it worked for most of us. Like, we have these incredible knots inside of us, and you could just pull out your sword and go, like, not done. Like, got it. I got right to the middle of it and figured out what was going on and was able to work through it and come up with a reasonable solution. But we're not. And that's why we need rest and Sabbath, retreat, quiet time, places where we can actually hear ourselves and begin to untangle the knot. I think the more we do it, the more we can, we can actually speed up the process, the more we can actually hear it in real time, the more we can say, oh, what's that discomfort? Oh, I'm angry, or I'm hurt, or I'm, you know, we can see what's going on in real time, but it does take practice, it does take time, it does take work to learn the process of hearing ourselves. And I think only when we hear ourselves can we kind of invite God into that space and begin to heal. So we need rest and Sabbath to hear ourselves. There we go. I think we have a picture. There's Alexander. Yeah. 
I don't remember whether the people were angry about it or not. I, I feel like in the story it works out well. They're like, oh, obviously he's the king. <laughs> I would have been pretty angry if I had this knot forever and someone just cut it in half. Anyway, get distracted. <laughs> so I think one of the reasons we don't untangle the knot, right, is it just takes time, but the other is because it hurts. Right? It actually hurts to kind of go into your anxieties and your pains and your discomforts. When we used to do silent retreat days at Francis' house, anytime someone would come for the first time, I'd often try and warn them about this, that today might suck. It might be the first time in a long time you've allowed your voice to just come out and everything that's broken and hurting and pain inside of you is going to come out and it's going to be hard. And the challenge is to stay in it, to not run away from it, to not grab your phone, to not grab the next distraction, but to actually stay in it and go through it. As they say in recovery circles, the only way out is through. And the problem, of course, is our natural wiring is such this, that when we're uncomfortable, our body tells us to get out of it as fast as possible, right? <coughs> That's kind of what we're wired to do. We need to do something as fast as possible. We need to fix it as fast as possible. We need to get rid of the discomfort. So we reach for our phone or we reach for a drink or we reach for whatever our vices are or whatever our distractions are in order to get away from that feeling of discomfort and pain. But the reality is if we ever wanna heal from those things, we actually have to go through them. And so part of the reason we set apart time is to learn that endurance, to learn that persistence, to learn that ability to actually go through it, to say I'm bored and it's not going to kill me. I can stay here. I'm anxious, but I don't have to move. I'm angry, but I don't have to do anything about it right now. I need to sit in it until I come out the other side. This is painful, but I can sit in it. And again, I think that takes some dedicated time because if you're trying to do it in real time and those feelings come up, it's just way too easy to do this, right? Whatever your thing is on this, you'll find it. And of course, in our story for this morning, Jesus sits for 40 days and he pairs his time of solitude with fasting, which is, you know, can be an intentional way of making yourself uncomfortable and saying, I'm hungry, but I can go through it. I don't need to solve this discomfort right away. And Jesus goes through it. He goes through the desire for comfort. He goes through the temptation to be spectacular. He walks through the longing to be powerful. And he learns that these temptations will, won't kill him. He doesn't have to give in to them and that there's actually something better on the other side of them. And again, we know that all these temptations will recur in his life. He'll be tempted to walk away from the cross for a life of comfort. He'll have people say to him constantly, dude, just show us some miracles. Come on, man, like, you're a showman. Like, give us some magic, and then we'll follow you. And he'll have people try and make him king, right? Say, like, man, if only, if only like, you were king, then we could really get some stuff done around here. And he's able to walk away from these temptations and see the better calling, see the kingdom of God. My suspicion is he's able to do that because he's already walked through them before. He's spent that intentional time with God in the desert, walking through the things that weigh him down, the things that call him, the things that tempt him, so that when they come at him in real time, 
he knows he doesn't have to give in to them, that there is actually a better way. So we need some committed alone time to actually go through our pains. To learn that we don't have to cover it up as soon as we feel it. To learn that we don't have to give in to the temptations. That we don't have to immediately give in to the angers and the hurts. But we can actually walk through it and come out the other side. We need committed alone time to walk through our pains because the only way out is through. And lastly, we need Sabbath retreat and silence to think creatively about our challenges. What's fascinating about our story is Satan is good at his job, right? Everything he suggests to Jesus is reasonable, right? Like, why wouldn't you turn stones into bread? Imagine how many followers you would have if you just did more miracles. You want to really get stuff done? Grab the sword, man. But Jesus is able to see through the shallow solutions and the quick fixes, and he's able to say, you know, that might seem right, but it's not really the kingdom approach. He's able to pull these challenges aside and walk through them with God and respond in ways that bring about the kingdom of God. I was thinking about this this week, and it struck me that to just about every problem, there's a passive solution, a fast solution, and a kingdom solution. You can think about something going on in your life. There's probably an option to keep doing nothing and just let it turn into bitterness and resentment. There's a fast solution that promises to fix the problem, but probably doesn't. And then there's a kingdom solution where both you and whoever else you're entangled with actually enter into something deeper and fuller and come out the other side in the kingdom of God. So, like, say I have an annoying coworker, right? I can do nothing and just continue to get bitter about it, which is what we usually do. I can tell them off, and it'll get them to shut up, but it won't actually heal anything, right? It'll just deepen the wounds that are already there. Or I can think about it creatively and hold it up to Jesus and hold it up to the kingdom of God and think, like, what might be there? Maybe I need to make her cookies? Maybe I need to hear her story. Maybe I need to realize that this is actually about me and I need to do some work in myself. Maybe I need to realize that because I'm completely frazzled, I've lost my compassion. The reality is I don't actually know, right? And like in every circumstance, there's actually like, there's probably multiple creative kingdom solutions you could go through, but you actually have to sit and have some imagination to figure that out. And one of the things we know is that when people are frazzled or tired or stressed, you know what they're not good at? Thinking right. Creative thinking. <laughs> Imaginative thinking. It's like brain chemistry even shows this, right? Like the more stressed you are, the more frazzled you are, that part of your brain actually shuts down so you can focus on survival stuff. It's only when you actually take time apart, when you actually slow down, that you can actually think creatively. 
And a lot of Jesus' solutions are weird, right? Let's be honest. They're not the intuitive way to go. Thinking that you should turn the other cheek or sell all you have or pray for those who persecute you or bake cookies for your non-coworker, like whatever it is, it actually takes some creativity to enter into those spaces and be like, all right, Jesus, what would be the Jesus-shaped solution to this sort of thing? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Does that make sense? So right now, as Susan well knows, we have two dogs living next to us that bark all day long, like 6.30 in the morning to 8 p.m., and it drives me nuts. So what I want to do is the fast solution. Kill the dogs. <laughs> yeah, 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 right? No, no. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Ian just made a little shotgun sign back there. I, you know, I, 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 there's probably more subtle ways that I, that I would get away with it, but maybe not. If I'm in jail next week, you know it's because I killed the neighbor's dogs. But since I don't actually want to go to jail, you know what I end up doing about it instead? Passive. Passive, that's right. Mostly Nothing. I've asked the neighbors a couple times to do something about it and it hasn't worked. And so now I'm just angry and I'm bitter and it wears me down. What's the kingdom solution? I don't know yet. And I share this honestly, I don't know yet. I have not sat and dreamed with Jesus. I have not sat and held the situation up to the kingdom of God and said, all right, God, what is it you want me to do? And the kingdom of God's a weird, wild place. Sometimes the things you're called to do are completely contrary to your instinct. Almost always they involve a giving up of control and power rather than seizing control and power. But man, when you actually get there, like everyone comes in to heal. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So you can think about that. Because you can apply this to just about any problem in your life. And you can think about how you've probably been wavering back and forth between the fast and the passive. And think about what it might mean to give it some time. To go through it with God. To hold it up to the gospel and the kingdom of God and say, All right, God, what do you have for me? And I use the term creative thinking. I mean, that's, that's kind of a generic term. In my experience, sometimes it's closer to dreams and visions, where all of a sudden it's like, all right, God, I see it. I see what you're calling me to do in the kingdom of God. But either way, it rarely happens quickly. And again, Jesus is pretty good at doing this in real time. You know, I mean, it's one of the fascinating things about Jesus. People ask him, hey, should we do A or B? And he says, actually, something else entirely. And again, like Jesus, I think, like, the more we practice this, the deeper our muscles get, the stronger our muscles get for kingdom thinking. Like, I really do think that. That's Paul's language of, like, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Like, the more we practice kingdom thinking, the more we're able to do it in the moment, the more we're able to instinctually get there. But it takes some time. It is a rhythm to take on, a practice to take on, a way of thinking to get into. 
So you need some rest and Sabbath in order to think creatively and find the Jesus-shaped solutions to your problems. Amen? Amen. Amen. So how can you do this? I know it's not easy, but I think it matters. If I'm honest, COVID really messed up my Sabbath practices, and writing the sermon was really convicting of just how I've lost that ability to hear myself more clearly, how I've lost that ability to just be like, okay, I'm uncomfortable, but that's okay. We can go through it. You don't have to react. And, then, and you know, losing that ability to see the stressor and hold it up to the kingdom of God. So how can you take on practices of Sabbath and solitude? I mean, I put together a little list here. Maybe these work for you. Maybe they don't. Um, Jesus takes 40 days in the wilderness. I doubt many of us have 40 days off coming up anytime in our life soon. But there might be a season to step away. Maybe you can say you can drop an activity for a season. Maybe you can set apart, uh, you know, a particular night for a season. Do something, uh, you know, 40 days is one of those things with forming habit. So... Um, maybe you can take a weekend uh, at a monastery or a retreat space. If you are interested in that, Holy Cross Monastery in New York is by far my favorite place. I'll tell you how to get there, and um, it's by donation, so anybody can go. Um, Francis House is about 35 minutes away, and they do silent prayer days once a month. You're free to go. Uh, I can help you get there if you're ever interested. Um, maybe you can do phone three hours of the day like specific times or rhythms or places where this thing's either off or away. Um, if you can't find time for that, silent commutes. Like what would it look like to use your commute as a time where it's like, no, the radio is off, the phone's away, this is my space. Or maybe you can just do 10 minutes of silence a day. this last one I have up there, 10 minutes of silence a day. This is something I've been trying to get back to just honestly over the past two weeks since I've been working on the sermon. Um, you need to do what works for you. All of our schedules are different. All of our lives are different. But if you're not sure how to enter into this, try that this week. 10 minutes. 10 minutes a day. To find out more about Redemption Church, visit redemptionbristol.org.